everyone, welcome back to Two Nobodies. I'm Rupesh Patel. If you are a lover of chocolate and all things chocolate, this is the podcast for you. I've got Tiz from Zazu being co-founder. I'm super excited. Tiz, I'm a big fan of your chocolate. I'm glad that we kind of have finally sort of officially met. We kind of know somebody in between here. So welcome to Two Nobodies and thank you for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Now, I actually first want to talk about how the pandemic has gone for you, like just personally and for the business. I feel I was thinking about this yesterday that with everyone kind of staying at home and some people, you know, it's been a challenging time for some people. But I feel like the chocolate business, I suspect, is thriving. But what's been your feeling on this? Like how, how have things gone for you pandemic wise? Well, I mean, there's definitely been good and bad. I mean, I, the grocery industry has uh, obviously, you know, thrived. Um, so uh, we are a chocolate company and and I think chocolate is, is a bit recession proof and maybe mm. slightly pandemic proof in some ways. However, um, some of the challenges we have been having lately is shipping. So mm. There's been a huge, uh, there's been a, a huge cost in in uh, shipping containers and and a lack of. We, we're produced in Switzerland, so we've been having a bit of difficulties getting containers, taking much much longer. There's a there's a huge um, uh, delay at the port, so it's just just it's getting the product has been a bit of a challenge, um, and the costs of the product, the the shipping of that product um, has been also a bit of a challenge. But it, in, in general, though, it has been it has been good. I mean, sales have been good. Um, there hasn't been. Uh, we're definitely not a company that's been impacted in a in a bad way until just just recently with with the container issues. But yeah. but uh, you know, I work from my office here. At home, we do have, uh, I deal with like our, our um, warehouses and stuff or, our, you know, we have a warehouse in Langley, we have our, we pr- produce in Switzerland and, and I work from home. So it's kind of nice. I, I, it, that hasn't changed for me. So mm-hmm. in that way, it's been, it's not been problematic at all, but. Um, and what about you personally, like in terms of your health and fitness, have you been, I think you're, cause you're a personal trainer, aren't you? I want to talk to you yeah, a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could have worked full time as a personal trainer, but I worked full time as you know, <laughs> running Azubean. So, so yeah, I, when I started this company, I was a personal, I was a personal trainer prior, like full time, and mm-hmm. I just slowly over the years, um, shifting to working. Uh, now I work full time for for Zazubian, but I yeah. still see the odd client, and 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 in fact, it's it's been very very busy. Uh, mm-hmm. Funny enough, the two industries that I'm in is health and fitness and and chocolate, and they both been doing thriving in the pandemic which has been kind of funny so personally uh i i like the slowness of the beginning of of the pandemic you know and i'll be honest i love the traffic was anytime i did (laughs) go hiking or anything the traffic was amazing so there were some really classes um i wasn't personally really badly like Mm -hmm. you know affected by it but i do feel i do feel bad for the people restaurants and things like that been really highly impacted by that so um, but me personally, not, not so much. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the kind of, uh, work, what's your sort of, uh, what type of workouts do you do? What's sort of the focus in terms of the way you shape your clients? Like, is there, do you certain, do you have a certain approach to your, to your training? What does that look like? Um, I, I would say I'm just more full body kind of, uh, really uh on core uh basically i just just in- include the full body i used to do a lot of back rehab um okay. which i know you're familiar with yeah uh, i used to work a lot with back rehab uh motor vehicle accident people so i, I deal with with anything that clients really want to mm-hmm. deal with but i would say as a as a trainer i would say that yeah i'm more into um overall core training yoga you know health and wellness that kind of thing yeah so, yeah i'm gonna cough not a COVID cough, right? Of course. That's what everyone seems to see saying these days. <laughs> Not used to talking so much cough. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're like, a, you're an avid cyclist because I was reading a little bit about the backstory of Zazubin and I know that cycling kind of paid, played a little bit of a funny role in that, but I think you're an avid cyclist, right? I am. I so, so I personally, I hike, you know, I have the grass grind, the, the BCMC, but I also do a lot of cycling and mountain biking and okay. in 
for time, I really, really uh, took advantage of, of the mountains. We, we live close. I live close to the North Shore Mountains. So a lot of hiking and, 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 and like I said, uh, biking and things like that. So it like in that way, it's been, it's been great. So yeah. And I've yeah. done some mountain bike races in the past as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where you would find time for all this, like running a chocolate company. And I don't sleep very well. No, it's kidding. I'm kidding. I do sleep a lot. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, I just, I just kind of really try to balance my life. I have a little bit of like I do personal training more in the mornings. I, I have an assistant, full time assistant that helps mm. me, and I also, I also, um, I kind of cut out around four thirty, mm. and I go off and I, I do an activity, and then I come back and I work in the night in the evenings. So that's kind of how I work my days. Mm. Yeah. What's an ideal vacation look for like like for you? An ideal vacation? Yeah. Something I can be active. I love a little bit of, like I like to do a little bit of activity. I know exploring a, a new city or town. Um, mm. I'm not somebody who kind of sits by the pool all day long. I, I'm I'm mm. more of a kind of a do an activity, um, maybe a little bit of relaxation and 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 maybe reading and then but kind of going into town and kind of exploring something new for me would be. Mm-hmm. And also uh, mountain bike vacations or activity vacations are often my, you know, going on to Hawaii and, and surfing mm-hmm. or, or uh, going uh, somewhere where I can do a bit of mountain biking. And like I said, maybe wine tasting and exploring the towns. That would be like my ideal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, vacation, yeah. Yeah. Did you play any team sports growing up or were you more of like an individual athlete or was it mainly just recreational kind of activities that you took part in? I was a rower at UBC um, uh, when I did my master's and then I was in my undergraduate. I was a, I, I did a bit of downhill ski racing. So mm-hmm. I would say those were my two real sports that I, I did kind of at a varsity level. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So health is like health is like a key component to your life. And so now you have, now you're thinking about, so fold that in into like the beginnings of Zazu bean. Cause I suspect, cause I mean, I've had that chocolate. I know that there's a lot of like health is totally infused in terms of the botanicals and all that, but, but walk folks through in terms of like how it seems like there's some sort of coexisting that happened between those, like you're just your, the way you approach life and the creation of Zazu bean. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's very true. I, I, when I started Zazubine, I wanted to create a clean, um, a clean chocolate, but also one that had botanical herbs in it. For originally, it was for PMS. So I, I literally, mm. um, I mean, I could tell you just a quickly the background story of Zazubine. Sure. So I was on a trip with a bunch of women, so I was on a bike trip. One of my ideal vacations was on a bike trip on Galliano Island, and with a bunch of women and sitting in the hot tub and and talking about and eating chocolate and saying, "Why isn't there chocolate out there for PMS?" So, <laughs> because, I mean, I I know you know as a woman that was something I did. I I seem to gravitate towards chocolate at a certain time of month. So, so at that point, I, I kind of came home from that trip and I researched uh, the elements of chocolate. And then I was really into, I got really into herbs and um, just studying different kinds of herbs. And then I actually took a bit of a chocolatier course and I started to learn a little bit more about chocolate. And and I realized there was nothing really out there on the market that was um, uh, had efficacy or a functional chocolate which is kind of interesting because today we're talking back in 2006. So today, you know, today there's lots of functional chocolates coming out of the market. And I would say that was a bit, I was probably a little too soon uh, with that idea. And so, and then I met my business partner, Tara, and she had a more of a, she came from a, a business background. She was a CEO of small business BC at the time. And so she basically worked with me and develop the recipes, work with the pharmaceutical company. And, and our mission was always from the beginning was to create a healthy, um, kind of uncompromising when it came to the ingredients that we put in the product and something with efficacy. So we came out with, originally we started with the the lunatic bar, which was our PMS chocolate Mm. and the body bar, which was basically the hottie and the flirt, which were our, uh, they had uh, horny goat weed in it and dong quad all these things that were good for um, sexual function. So we we took chocolate and just enhanced it with herbs, but added a a, a, like an efficacy with, with these herbs. So we launched on the market probably 2007, two years in, we realized that people were kind of uh, more, they wanted, they wanted more. I think they wanted to separate the chocolate from the actual 
uh, they weren't really interested in paying, let's say $4 for uh, a chocolate full of herbs. So mm-hmm. it was, it was so we kind of switched, uh, switched at that moment and we went to Switzerland. So in the moment we were actually produced at that time in, in Seattle. So we went and we switched and we switched gears and we produced in Switzerland and we still wanted to put superfood ingredients in our products. So we wanted to still, so we ended up putting things like maca or herba mate and mm. now we've and acai berry and so we kind of made it simplified the because we were putting like we were going to a pharmaceutical company and put, putting big barrels of herbs into like, <laughs> incredibly expensive incredibly right. process and nobody had been doing it so right. so i was actually at the factory helping this process and 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 getting the the herbs into the chocolate and we just had to figure out a, a way how to get it in there and and, and still taste good so that was the, the real uh, trying and from day one we've always been organic so all of our ingredients are you know organic uh and then fair trade has always been a huge mm-hmm. uh, you know uh important thing for us so we actually went to fair for life which is a very strict uh fair trade um certifying it basically has 100 percent traceability and it they audit us every year and they 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 look at the growers all the way down to how we are as a company and how we operate as a company how mm-hmm. we treat our employees and so it's been uh, it's, it's been a really, uh, interesting journey and, and, um, and, you know, you, you, you kind of fail in the beginning and, and that failure creates a, a much more hardier business because we, we kind of failed with that first project until we launched, I would say with Switzerland in 2011 is when we first, we started to, um, to, um, come out with this more, uh, superfood line of chocolates that, that mm-hmm. just took off so i I was gonna say uh, infusing herbs i would think that would have been a challenging process just to figure out like i would think would change the consistency of chocolate and just how you know people react to it just by eating it and am i wrong but i or is that sort of a fair assumption or line of thought yeah well what you have to do is that's why i had to consult a a pharmaceutical company so i had to to um extract it down so do an extract so you take the x so you take like just think of a huge herbs the size of you know let's say let's size of a car inside mm-hmm. right barrels of herbs right, or bags of herbs and when you concentrate it down and then you take the extract of it and then you put it into say an agave or something mm-hmm. or some sort of a honey syrup is what we, what we originally used was like a little bit of honey or something. So you put it in a medium that a chocolate can handle. So chocolate can't handle water, but it can handle kind of a, a liquid like that, like a, a, like a agave or something. So we put it into a substance and then we just poured it into the chocolate. I mean, sometimes you could taste the herbs a little bit, but most of the time we just, just, it was because it was so concentrated Mm needed a little bit of it like a gram of it and it would actually the the amount of herbs in there would be huge so and so when you're working with these pharmaceutical companies i'm assuming they have like food chemists or something that are helping you okay because i was going to say how do you even start by yourself because unless you had a background in that i don't know it's like a pharmaceutical industry that that that's used to doing extracts into pills or or that form so we we had it in a a liquid form so they done it before nobody's ever done it in chocolate but that's how we sort of started as a functional chocolate so and when you say functional uh can you explain that a little bit because my assumption on that one is like maybe it has like a sort of a medicinal purpose or yes it it does so it's so it when i say it has efficacy that means that um if you put so many grams of say dong kwai or Mm -hmm. so many grams of uh chase tree berry um it is, it, it, the, I guess it's the chromatography or that, that, what is it? I can't remember the names of it, but, but basically they, they, there's so much you can use of those herbs that, that, uh, give you certain, um, responses to it. Mm. So like if you take one gram of this herb, it, you know, it'll alleviate your symptoms of PMS. So, so we basically had, um, the efficacy, eff, efficacious amounts inside the chocolate bars mm. versus saying, uh, Acai, you have acai berry and and all these herbs have actual functional functions uh and what they do and the amounts of herbs you put into into something so for example if you're taking like people take you know you take vitamin c or you take certain things every day and, and there's so much that can a- actually 
enhance whatever for whatever reason you're taking it so so that's what our purpose for let's say for example the the lunatic bar is we wanted to actually when you're eating chocolate there's enough herbs in there that that if you ate a certain amount of so many squares it would actually help alleviate your pms symptoms Mm. do you know if certain herbs work better with the compounds of chocolate than if they were to take them you know, separately or, or in different ways? Like, are there certain herbs that just are more potent or more bioavailable or? I know. I mean, that I, in my, as far as I know, that wasn't, I don't think that was something that's ever been studied, but, or right. from, I don't know, but um, it just, I think as long as the processes they use, these pharmaceutical companies used, as long as they kept the, you know, active ingredients intact in a medium uh, and then putting them in the chocolate would, would obviously keep it, um, active and, and mm. have efficacy. So I'm assuming mm. that it would be fine. There would be yeah. no issues in chocolate at all. It'd be no different than taking it in a liquid form or a pill form. So, yeah. But at least you get the benefits of chocolate too, added to that. And there are, there are lots of benefits <laughs> too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 So you go into, so you're one of the first functional medicine chocolate companies. And you, like you said, there's a lot of other companies out there right now was there any fear or hesitancy in getting in, in into an industry that is just massive? And like, my understanding is that it's controlled by, and I don't want to get into that too, just sort of controlled by um, some big hands out there. Like, was that, what was that process like for you? And just internally kind of working you and Tara kind of working through that, like that would have been, I would think kind of intimidating. Well, I mean, if you go into any store, uh, the chocolate set is incredibly competitive and you are dealing with right now, um, companies like Kraft and, and, um, the big, big chocolate companies are, mm. are basically scooping up some of the smaller ones. Right. So, um, I would, I would say, you know, when you're starting any, any food product, I think you always go into it thinking, I mean, you have to have a product that's obviously unique, right? You're not mm to that's the first thing a buyer is going to ask you is you know what's unique about your product and we had something that was very unique right it was very innovative we actually actually received uh, the most innovative uh food product at the time we launched um because it was innovative and that's what got us into the door so if you have an innovative product you will get onto the shelf um and that's step one but but then once it's in a store, there's so much uh, there's so much you need to do, which is discounting products, and and so that's where it, get, it becomes difficult because you're competing with these bigger brands who have mm. big discount programs, big deep pockets. So, so there's there's that challenge as well. Um, if your brand is unique enough, um, you will it will go so far, um, but in the end it has to sell and this is something that i think it took me till only a few years now to discover that it it has to have legs to sell on its own in a store i used to push a lot of demos which the more complicated a product is the more you need to talk to your customers Mm. tell them more about it because you come up to a wall of chocolates and you know nothing about your product and and i hate to say it like a packaging of a chocolate only can say so much right Mm. So, so you have to you yeah. So in the beginning, I mean, doing a lot of demos and stuff like that was really helpful for, you know, educating people on what's in the product, but the product has to sell itself. And so, so, um, that's actually something that, that I would really highly recommend if somebody wanted to get into the food industry is just to, to, it's a tough business. It really, really is tough just due to the competition. You just, it, if it requires a lot of education, um, and if you're way ahead of the curve, um, it, it makes it much more difficult. Um, were there ever times that you just felt like you didn't like, what's the point or, or yeah, yeah well, like just, this is too big and too hard to take on or. Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of cockiness. You kind of always come into the market. You think you've got the best product sure. and, and there's a lot of, I think we kind of came in cocky. I would say the both of us were like, we got this amazing product and we're, <laughs> you know, so I think, there's a certain amount of that that gets you so far. And then the market speaks, the customers speak. Mm. Um, if your product, our product, like I said, did well for the first maybe year and a half, we actually mm. did extremely well the first year, year mm. and a half. And then, and then there was a, a bit of dip in sales and that, and that's to me, that's a, that's a moment where you need to look at it and pivot and, and change your product because the consumers are going to tell you and let you know, right. Mm. If it's not selling, 
your 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 sales are probably going to go down. I, I mean, this is this is um, barring there's no pandemic. The pandemic is totally different. I can totally mm-hmm. see a lot of product sales going down because of the pandemic. So you can't mm-hmm. really do that. But let's say no pandemic. Um, yeah, I think that. Uh, anyway, I think I think uh, that's I've, I've said probably what I said for that question. But yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm thinking also about you know, some of these big producers out there. And I wanted to talk to you about just the chocolate industry itself. And because and, I've heard, I, I've seen, you know, documentaries and you just don't know how accurate things are and you read up on things. But I just, you know, I want to talk about fair trade, but also just like I'm hearing there's a lot of concentration of power in the cocoa, in the cocoa producing side of things. And my understanding is that um, a lot of the power is kind of, uh, you know, the, the farmers and the people who grow the cocoa have very little power, but then, and then even on the, on the other end, the, the people who are, um, you know, people such as yourself, and I'm, I don't know if I'm grouping you accurately, but more of the retailers, the people who are kind of making the chocolate at the top end, um, you know, they don't have as much power, but it's the people in the middle, the people who process the cocoa is my understanding. There's, there's only like a couple of major producers um, I think Cargill's one, and I think it's Barry Calibet. I'm not sure if I'm saying that name right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and so I, I've read that you know there's just a lot of power concentrated there, and that is kind of a huge issue, and and why sort of farmers are not able to kind of get their their fair shake. But can you do you have a sense or able to kind of break down sort of um, from farmer to kind of the the I don't know if you're sort of at the end of the chain or if it's the retailers or, or what and sort of where the power lies? Well, I mean, the, I mean, that's why fair trade sort of started. The farmers are the ones, unfortunately, that uh, most of the uh, farmers, they're incredibly live in very impoverished communities. And, and so they're the, they're definitely at the very bottom of the chain. They're the ones mm-hmm. that they're, they're not getting, um, they're not at these big, producers are pushing them on pricing so much and that's where fair trade came in to basically ensure that they received a premium for their 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 cocoa beans or whether it's cocoa mm. you know, or whatever it is uh sugar or cocoa beans or cocoa butter um i would say yeah definitely the the brokers and the buyers uh are the ones who are probably the ones making the most money but the, there's also the manufacturers too so you're right the cargo is a big manufacturer of cocoa um, but they have to sell it basically to the um, chocolate manufacturers. So mm. there's there's many huge chocolate manufacturers. You're talking about like the Hershey's and the Mars and those kind of guys, yeah. Yeah, like those. Yeah. What they do is they are the ones that push the price. Oh, okay. Um, they push the price down, and um, and and then unfortunately the the ones that get squeezed the most are the farmers, right? So they're the ones that, and and they they get squeezed so much that they can't even like I said they can't even they can't even get their kids to school. Mm-hmm. They can't put their kids in school and things like that. So, I mean, we're a manufacturer. We, I mean, we buy, um, we buy off of our manufacturer, but we produce, basically we produce a product. And and so I would say it's definitely, definitely probably goes. And, and for us, the retailers, um, they take such a huge margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't know that know this, but, but, but huge retailers, um, they just the programs to get into the stores and i feel like they're they're also the ones that are taking a lot of a lot of the the money as well i mean just to to give you an idea like the us market uh there's humongous listing fees to get into some of these massive stores mm-hmm. and and um it it's really hard for uh someone like ourselves like we have really really low margins um mm-hmm. as a company like uh just just because the product is so expensive to make, um, so I would I would definitely say the farmers though are definitely the ones that are getting squeezed the most. Mm-hmm. I would say probably uh, the brokers, the ones that are buying the cocoa, and the, they're mm-hmm. the ones that are selling to manufacturers. The big manufacturers, they're probably the richest ones, and then I would say the retailers. The retailers also make mm-hmm. money. Like I said, people don't really know what what it costs to get into some large retail stores and the, and the, and the, and the, the chargebacks that we need to pay. It's like, and do you pay for shelf space too? Like where your item actually goes on the shelf or. 
There are some, I mean, there are some companies, um, big companies that do pay for, um, definitely pay for shelf space. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say even for shippers and things like that on the floors, you have to pay for those. Mm. Um, often, I mean, there are like salespeople who come into the store and like, I've, I've had this happen where, you know, in Whole Foods, we're at a certain level and, uh, somebody comes in, a, a salesperson comes in from another chocolate company and they say to the mm. grocery manager, Hey, um, I want you to put our product here. And, 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 and they may be somebody who, they may be a huge chocolate company and, and they have more sales or they have mm. more people or they pay for a certain amount. I, we've never, we've never paid for our shelf space to be at a certain, we've never done that. I mean, we have to pay for programs and we have to pay for discount programs and things like that. And, mm -hmm. We've never gone in, and we're not. We're not uh, obviously, we're not Hershey's. We're, we're. I mean, our margins are pretty slim. Um, we don't have that kind of power, but um, really, the power is obviously in the people who who buy the product, right? Mm -hmm. The consumers have way more power than they think. And today, with Instagram and social media, I mean, to be honest, I think I think the consumers have way more power today mm -hmm. than they used to. But the answer is no, I, I don't have, I can't pay for uh, the, the, the shelf space. It's really often um, in big stores, stores, like for example, Whole Foods, they have yearly resets. And so they look at the sales numbers and maybe they look at uh, local, who's local to that area and they'll, they'll put them according to where they think it should go. But often the more you sell, the better placement you have in a store. That's I awesome. think that's, I think that's fascinating. Just uh, like, I don't know if people really understand the intricacies of, of all that goes on in terms of yeah, product placement and just getting your product into a store, right? Like we just take that for granted. We go to the store and pick up our chocolate and move on and probably don't think yeah. about all those things. It's a tough industry for sure. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's, I, I always sort of, when people come to me and they want to start a product, I, I, I always say, wow, it's just a really tough industry to break into. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just, um, the today, I just I couldn't imagine starting Zazimine today um, and trying to get like, just to give an example, trying to get into the U S market for us. I mean, in Canada, mm -hmm. we've been, you know, we've been in it for a long time and, and, and we've done quite well and, and trying to get into the U S market now, it, there's just, I don't know if it's just, they're just more open to U S products, but it's just been so competitive and mm -hmm. so difficult to even to get into whole foods in the wow. U S even though we have, we have, um, We've been in Whole Foods for over whatever twelve years in Canada. We 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 really have a difficult time getting into the U.S. market, and I think it's in the U.S. particularly. They're just they just want to promote more U.S. products, mm. and you have to be extremely unique. And they just it's yeah. I wouldn't want to start something today. It would be tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so, tough. are you considered? So are you, in terms of the leveling, like, are you at the manufacturer level or how would you categorize your... We're considered a manufacturer because we okay. create a product, but we, okay. we co-pack that product. So we get it made by another manufacturer. So, so we, they co-pack for us, but we're considered a manufacturer because we create okay. the product. So everything that's created for us is unique to us. Uh, the flavor profiles, what goes into the products, mm. what we call them, how we design them. So we've created the products mm. for us specifically like there's no other chocolate that tastes like our chocolate because we make it from scratch and pick the beans and pick everything in it so so that's interesting so that actually is a good segue to the fair trade piece and you already talked a little bit about this but but you know i've can you so you said traceability like you can trace the beans back to to what level to like a certain country or to the farm or like when people buy something that's fair trade, is it all equal or are there certain certifications that are just better or how do people navigate that space? Um, there definitely are certifications that are better. Fair for life is a little bit, uh, is the one that we use is a little bit stricter um, because you, you're only allowed the fair trade symbol on the front. If you have 80% of your ingredients have fair trade, um, you use a fair trade okay. ingredient. Um, and then they, it's a hundred percent fully traceable other. So there's no mixing of, of any other products in there. So it's, it's a hundred percent traceable. So every, every cocoa bean is coming from a particular farm. And so they're auditing the farm and they're, they're tracing it all the way along, all the way down to us. So we get audited mm. every year and, um, and our, 
where uh, the every every product that we buy, we, so we buy coconut sugar from Indonesia, and that one mm-hmm. they they have to be Fair for Life certified as well, um, and they get audited yearly as well. Including our manufacturer gets audited. Um, we get our, our cocoa beans come from Dominican and Ecuador. Um, we get that from a bunch of fair trade cooperatives. And um, so basically the premiums, uh, what we pay goes back to those communities. Mm. And um, so we, we buy uh, our vanilla is from Madagascar. So, mm. so basically third world countries, countries that are more impoverished countries, that's where the, that you have to protect those farmers. And, and otherwise they just get squeezed by these big For sure manufacturers so 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 it is it is completely 100 percent uh traceable um now there are some um i think rainforest alliance isn't 100 percent traceable so there's a mix of non-fair trade versus fair trade so so we just we made a decision um about about 10 years ago we always we were always fair trade but we were fair trade canada i think or fair trade mm-hmm. USA at the time so we were produced in the u.s we just switched over to fair for life um it was just a, we just liked, we liked what they offered. They were um, just cause it's one of our, just one of our, I would say definitely one of the most important things with every product. We will not create a product. We will not produce a product. That's not fair trade. Um, it's just one of our, our missions. It's a value, to, right? It's a, one of our very important core values of Zazimina yeah. that we yeah. don't want to produce anything that isn't fair trade. That's just, it's just yeah. So so fair for life, like I said, is is probably one of the best. It is one of the best um, uh, certification bodies for fair fair trade. Yeah. I mean, I ask this because, like, not only myself, just trying to understand this, but I feel like you know we're living in in an increasingly cynical world, right? Like, you, it's so hard to trust any of the information these days, and even basic facts. We argue about these kind of things. So something about like fair trade, I. I could imagine that people struggle or maybe want to support fair trade, but then when they hear things that, oh, um, it actually doesn't mean anything. So I think that's really great to know that, you know, there are certifications out there that are, are much more stringent and, and fair for life would be one of those. So, uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And so when you talk about core values, so being fair trade is one of them. It, how would you define the other core values of Zazubin, would you say? Things that you wouldn't like, I guess maybe to frame it a little bit differently. If Zazu Bean became a major manufacturer of, of chocolate or bigger than you ever thought it was going to be, is there, are there some core values that you just would not give up on? And fair trade, it sounds like fair trade is one of them, but what would the other ones be? I also want to mention too, that, I mean, there's other, there's other great fair trade. There's fair trade Canada, fair trade USA. I don't want to diminish in any way, sure. but I just, yeah. I'm just saying fair for life is one of the most, um, I think the best one out there, but there, there are lots of other great ones. Um, I would say organic ingredients. Um, mm. We always put organic ingredients in our products. Um, uh, clean ingredients. So we, we kind of refrain from using um, anything. Um, we don't use soy lecithin in there, which is a which is an emulsifier. Mm. We, we just try to keep our ingredients down to a minimum. So it's basically cocoa butter, cocoa um, sorry, coconut, cocoa beans, uh, sugar. Um, and then, you know, it'd be the ingredients we put in there, like whether we're putting almonds or something like that. So we, we basically refrain from, from putting anything in there that's kind of junk. So we try to keep our ingredients as clean as possible. I'd say that's a really important core value. So a healthy products, we're always trying to look for, uh, create healthier products. So we just recently, uh, so we went from, so we created the superfood line that I mentioned, then mm-hmm. we created the so we then we came out with um, about uh, 2011. We came out with the first coconut sugar that was fair trade. We waited until uh, this this producer in Indonesia came out with a kind of cool a, a female owned producer cool. called Ellie Green. It was run by a woman, and she basically got all the cooperatives and created a fair trade fair for life. And so we, we ended up uh, buying coconut sugar from them. And so we created um, a coconut sugar line. So that was our second line. And, and it, it was sort of in line with alternative sugars and lower glycemic sugar. Mm. So coconut sugar is, so that's sort of in line with our health. And just, we've been, we've been asked to create a, a, a low sugar product. So mm. we, we've gone further. Um, we've tried, uh, we've been working on the low sugar, no sugar product for project, I should say, for, for years, because we wanted to create uh, a, a zero sugar chocolate, mm-hmm. but but 
how to keep it healthy. And monk fruit was one of the uh, ingredients. Monk fruit. Okay, yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. So monk fruit is a sweetener. A lot of keto uh, athletes use okay. monk fruit. You can in Canada buy monk fruit in a, in a sugar form and you mm. can even eat, but you cannot put, unfortunately, Canada CFIA has not allowed monk fruit and chocolate. So we've actually produced three years ago, we produced a whole line with monk fruit, but we're waiting for the regulations to pass it. So, so we, we haven't been able to put monk fruit, but you can put stevia in, mm. in, in chocolate, but because stevia, the concentration of stevia is so high to sugar, you have to put things like inulin in there and, mm. And we've had to resort. So we came out with a line of half sweetened products. And I can just show you the, um, do I have a half sweet? No, I don't have one. Unfortunately, Ami, I grabbed the wrong bar, but we do have a half sweetened. So coconut sugar with stevia. And then we did put a coconut sugar with erythritol, which is a sugar alcohol. Um, it's just <clears throat> because there was nothing really else to kind of go with. So mm -hmm. we couldn't go with fruit. So we wanted to go with stevia, but because stevia, um, you need a filler like stevia is so, the concentration or, or the volume of sugar, the amount of grams of sugar to stevia, you have to replace that volume. So, so you can't just put, you can't put a ton of stevia to be mm. disgusting. Yeah. So, so we've come up with a, um, an erythritol, which is the cleanest and I think the best sugar alcohol, but we've come out with a low sugar. So, so, so one of our core values too, is to create sort of, um, healthier, uh, products, um, and low sugar products and, and just something for all diets. So we don't have any gluten in our product. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned we, we don't put soy lecithin mm -hmm. as a, as an emulsifier. So some people put things like oils in to replace, um, to replace the cost of cocoa butter is so expensive. Mm -hmm. So they put in oil oils, which is not something we'd ever do. It's like, mm -hmm. we just, we just try to keep our product as clean as, pro uh, as possible. Another thing of our, I would say our core value is, is so, so basically our, our mission statement is good for you, good for the planet, mm. good for, and good for the growers, right? Mm. So we want to make sure our product is sustainable, ethical, but it's also clean and healthy. And, and so that's just, those are really our three big, big things. Another thing that we've always wanted to do was to have fun and, and to create kind of a fun packaging and, and something a little different when we first launched Zazzy Bean, if you looked at the shelf, it was so boring. And uh, I mean, it's just, there was no personality. So we we wanted to create a bit of personality and create a chocolate for everyone and, and for every diet. And so vegan is also something where I would say we're kind of in a way, a bit of, of a vegan brand. I mean, we, we started, we did create one chocolate that had a milk chocolate when we came out with a sugar-free chocolate, there was, there was only, um, we just couldn't at the time get, um, a dark chocolate that tasted good, uh, sugar-free. So we went out with a milk chocolate and that was, but our, but it, but we use grass-fed milk. Mm -hmm. So we tried it. We were always trying to basically try to always go for the cleaner, um, healthier options of any, any ingredients we put in our products. So that was just, just, yeah, something that was, was really important for us. Um, so, and then just, I would just say, we just really just try to have something like we have paleo keto options, mm. uh, like vegan, uh, most of our bars, uh, I think we have like 16 bars on the market and, and 14 of them are vegan. Uh, we don't have any gluten in our products. Um, just clean and... food. Like it's, yeah, we just try to keep it. Um, we just, we just, we're both kind of, we're both kind of into that. We're both into health and fitness. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it was just, just something, it was one, it was just, just our core value. It was just, just, we both don't want to put anything in there that we wouldn't eat ourselves. Yeah. Like it's, it was just really important to us. Yeah. Tiz, walk me through the process of how you identify trends and how you stay on top of that. Because I would imagine that as a sort of, you know, relatively smaller manufacturer, like you're probably, I would assume more nimble than some of the bigger companies in terms of um, being able to adapt to changes in the market and all that sort of thing. But what's that process look like, like for you to kind of stay on top of these things and then kind of incorporate it into your business? Well, I mean, I would say Tara, I mean, Tara is my business partner. Um, she's got a pretty good business sense and, a, and a, I would say she, she stays really on top of the trends and she knows I, 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 she knows really what sells and what doesn't sell. She actually looks at lists of what are, 
that this the sad thing is is that you you could come out with the most innovative creative flavors but to be honest the top five uh selling chocolate bars in the u.s are nuts salted nuts caramels dark chocolate yeah. i mean they're literally i i'm always like but what about this let's put this in let's do this and she's always like tiz you know what sells and and it's it's the but i mean that that's 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 the sad truth is that mm. that people really they like their salted almonds their you know i don't know that hazelnuts is, is not mm. even that popular i would say like dark chocolate caramel salt and almonds and salted almonds that like those are top sellers and right. they sell the most i mean if you look at any brand the top sellers of all those brands are always the same so you could be super innovative and come up with a matcha we used to have a bar called with a matcha goji berry one right okay and it sounds amazing but but it's just not going to um sell but as far as as far as like trends uh the biggest trends um in i would say right now is one of the fastest growing um product chocolate bars in in the US right now is Lily's Lily Sweet, which is which is a sugar free a sugar free chocolate. Okay. okay. And that bar kind of I hate to say it launched about the same time as we did. And they're mm. they're gonna be uh, probably like a hundred million dollar company mm. because that is a huge trend in the US. And and not every trend uh, translates to every country, but we're definitely a little bit slower. I would say California is is the West Coast is always the sure. quickest to adopt new trends. Yeah. Uh, our our new sugar free bars got adopted uh, picked up by a really trendy uh, store in in California, mm. uh, and and because low sugar zero sugar is huge in the United States, so so I would say you at uh, low sugar is huge. And is that, is that because, sorry, is that because of people just looking for low sugar options just because they want to reduce their sugar content? Or is it also because they have existing health reasons? Or do you have a sense of that? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say like there's that many diabetics in, in North America, but I think people, if you look at any health trend, right, it used to be carbs used to be bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, every fat was bad and now fat is kind of cooler, right? right? And Keto has become a huge trend, right? So, and 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 to be honest, any um, if you have any illnesses, cutting sugar out of out of your diet is is one of the healthiest things you can do. So, I think the keto trend has really helped the sugar trend. So, um, and keto is here to stay. I hate to say it, the keto diet. Mm. Um, it's not Atkinson. It's is a keto diet has been super. Mm -hmm. um, popular and i think uh there are certain influencers in the united states um i won't say his name but there's a, there's a certain influencer who owns a big brokerage company and and what he says he often he often can sway the way the market goes and he can so we seem to know we we can tap into that because we have people who tell us and so we we kind of know a lot of the, the trends that are happening and we can see it too because we're in the market and we can mm -hmm. we can go to it you know you can go to the store and you can see and we also go to these um Every year we go to these shows, except of course the last two years we haven't, but there's one in the States called Natural Expo West and it's a huge, a huge uh, show. And and every year there's like a, you just, you walk around and it's like, um, you know, you can just tell what the trends are. And, you know, one year it's, it's, it's plant-based, everything's plant-based, plant-based, plant-based. And mm. the next year it's like, um, what is that uh, brood? It's kombucha. And then, mm. and then something else right there's always a sort of a trend that you see um and 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 some people are really really uh they're ahead of the trend and then most people you'll see them like a year behind or you know, trying to catch up to those trends but but i would definitely say keto is a huge trend um sugar freeze is a huge trend anything low sugar plant-based chocolate plant-based anything is a huge trend vegan mm. vegan is a is i think a very big big trend and that's kind of I, I feel um, pretty happy that, that our products, are, we're, we're really a vegan brand. Mm -hmm. We just, we do uh, grass fed milk bars that we, we just, people love them. That's why mm -hmm. we don't want to take, mm -hmm. we've, we've wanted to take them away, but, um, but yeah. So I would say vegan, plant-based, uh, plant-based, um, keto, low sugar. Well, if you can Those have a the... vegan bar and it, t and people, and it tastes just as greater, if not better than, then one that has milk, why not, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and we have 
do have an alternative, which is um, we have a sassy bar. I don't know. I can show it actually. I've got it right here. Um, this yeah. bar here is our coconut milk product. So it actually tastes a lot like a milk chocolate, but it's it's coconut milk. So we also have an oat milk. Uh, our, our newest one is our oat milk one, which is our oat milk. Um, this Ooh, is I super trendy. That one. <laughs> yeah, it's oat milk. Um, creamy hazelnut one so so oat milk is super trending right now yes. so oat milk is trending um th there's always a different kind of milk that's trending so i'd say oat milk right now is trending so uh, and 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 this one here is a no added sugar so it's it's fantastic mm -hmm. i think that would be our winner <laughs> you know when something i find that something you know that's trending when you sometimes walk into costco and you're like oh costco's carrying oat milk now like that's a that's a thing you yeah, know? you. Yeah. Know, but but it was probably trending a year before. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Totally. It takes that yeah. Yeah. a lag time, and everybody jumps on the bandwagon. That's yeah. you'll start to see a lot of chocolate companies jumping on the oat milk, and some of them might jump on the low sugar. I don't know if Canada is. I'm not sure yet if Canada is as uh, keen on no added or zero zero sweetened products as the U.S. is. The U.S. is huge, mm. but I can tell you when we came out with this this product, this, our low sugar and no added sugar, it's called our slinky line. Mm -hmm. The doors have been opening for us in, in, in big retailers. Yeah. Like one of our biggest retailers picked us up immediately. And just, just so you know, uh, it, there's a, the process of, of getting listed into a big retailer, like something like Loblaws mm -hmm. could take up to six months to a year to get in. Mm -hmm. We got weeks so that just shows if, if you're on the right track and you have a product that is trending you will get it immediately. Yeah. So is it harder? I don't know if this is a, I don't know if this is a good question, but is it harder to uh, become a trendsetter or a reactor to the trends in your business? Well, reactors are always easier, but I mean, a trendsetter is always, always, you always have to be innovative. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, I mean, and you have to, I mean, for us, we couldn't, took us years to get to uh, this is definitely, I mean, I mean, I know, I know I'm, I'm sounding cause I, I'm a bit biased, but, but this is the best sugar-free chocolate I have ever tried. Mm. Uh, and I think with innovation, you have to have good people around you. Like I, we have a really brilliant chocolatier in Switzerland who took a bit of a leave, a health leave, and we convinced her to come back and work on this product because there was nobody who could do it. Yeah. She's just, she's gifted. Mm. She's a gifted chocolatier, mm. but um, and so if you have innovation requires out of the box thinking, and it may require the right kind of person to come along and help you with that innovation. And for us, it was just a timing of getting the right person to come along and help us with it. So, you so it's definitely going to be a reactor for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought the chocolatier piece. Cause that's, I was going to ask you about that too. What's an, what's a, a, a comparison perhaps that maybe people could make to like a really good chocolatier? Like what, what makes a really good chocolatier so special? What makes a chocolatier so special? Um, uh, I can only, call, I, I just, I mean, I just know when this person particularly, her name is Ruth, uh, when she, she basically, when they, when they create products that have never there's nothing like them on the market. They can take new ingredients, things like coconut sugar and adapt it into the, into the product and create just, they, they have to be actually really, really good food scientists. Mm. They're, they're that's their background. They're, they're not just, they're not just amazing with, with working with a medium of chocolate, but they're mm. food scientists. They know how to calculate. It's almost like a, it's a science, sure. right? So, yeah. so, so to be able to make something taste really good by taking out things that make it taste good, like sugar, mm. like you can make a chocolate tart. If you, if you use really good ingredients, which we do, but if you're taking sugar out of the product that, that makes it like your palate picks up sugar and salt and there's mm -hmm. certain, and to be able to put it all together and take sugar out of it and make it taste amazing. Like that's an art. So mm. that's what makes a really good chocolatier is to be able to, 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 to be able to, and, and she did something with our product, um, she blended something in it to make it taste better. And so that's, so she had to think outside of the box to do something. And that, that's, that's what I would say. Uh, that's why I think she's brilliant and she, but she's more of a food scientist, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah, it makes me feel like when I'm trying to cook something and I'm like, how do I use nutmeg? And it's like, these people just know how 
these different comp like these different spices or herbs just like how it changes the flavor and what it's going to do on the palate like i find that why not feel fascinating i think it's incredibly you know, and that was a good good point that you just made um um she has an amazing palate mm. Just to give you a, an example is um, we got our first run of this. So we, we started out with a half sweetened and then the milk bar. So uh, we, we received the product. And then I said to the, the manu I said to our manufacturer, this is, this is not, this is not the product we, we, we went with. Mm. This is not the flavor. Like I would say Tara and I have really good palates mm. and they, they argued with us and they were like, no, no, that, that's exactly what you ordered. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not what we ordered. This is a different, there's too much stevia in it. There's too much of this. It's mm. not right. And then we had to get this, our chocolatier who originally uh, produced our, our coconut mm -hmm. sugar line to, um, to taste it. We had to get her to taste it because we had to get her on board. Mm. And then she had to negotiate with them and say, yeah, they're right. It's not, it's not right. Mm. So has an amazing palate so i would say having a really good palate is really important to be able to decipher the flavors and mm. you know that's really important some people just don't have a good palate was that developed for you and tara or did you did you feel like you had a good palate going in or we both of us are we both have really good palates okay. yeah we create all the flavors we put everything together and and the success of the product definitely has to do with with our partnerships and mm. and our and chocolatier but we're the ultimate ones that put it to the market and decide mm. what goes in it and how to go in it. So I would say Tara and I are, have a really good palate for Does sure. Does that extend to other foods as well? Like if you drink a glass of wine, could you like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. really good at wine. Okay. I have a very select, wine really impacts me. So I have to be, my mother thinks I'm a bit of a wine snob because she'll give me some cheap wine. And I'm like, mom, that's not even worth drinking that because I'm going to be paying for it tomorrow. So yeah. Only drink very good wine because I pay for it. I just I don't react well to wine, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, I want to yeah. shift. If could I shift to sort of um, you as a female entrepreneur? Would that be okay? Yeah, that's totally. Fine. Yeah, I wanted to ask sort of what were the challenges that you faced on that front? Like just being a female entrepreneur. I, is the chocolate industry largely male dominated? I would say it's not it's not just the chocolate industry. We're we're really dealing with a food industry, okay, right? We're, right? We're we're in the natural food industry. So I would say in grocery, it is changing today. There are a lot of female buyers, but uh when we first started back in two thousand seven, um grocery was mostly run by men, right? So you definitely you're definitely um we definitely had some backlash with some buyers at the time, you know, like, um, but I would say, I would say today, there's just so many amazing uh, female entrepreneurs that are coming into the food industry. And mm -hmm. there's so many more women in, in, in the roles of higher positions and buyers and stuff like that are female. So um, I think today it's easier than when we started it. Um, Tara and I are both, I would consider us both kind of stronger than average women we're pretty strong women and we both have hard shells like mm -hmm. we're both you know um so for us i think and is that needed would you say or not anymore or um i definitely think you i mean i definitely think you it, it's a tough industry because you because it's like when you create a product it, it's sort of it's kind of like your baby right and you're you're you're, you're putting it the first time you see your product on the shelf and, and if it's not moving in the way that you want it to move, I mean, mm. you, you definitely, it's, it is, it is difficult. And, and there's, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of rejection. Mm. If your product is selling, you're going to get a lot of, um, you know, buyers saying, sorry, we, we have to, we have to delist you. And there's, there's a lot of rejection. And I think that rejection is difficult uh, in, in the beginning, for sure. If, if, if the product isn't moving in the way that you want it to move, um, I can tell you when your product does well, uh, they roll out the red carpet. Well, I don't want to say they roll out the red carpet, but they, but they, there's definitely a very different response that we received when our product started to do really well. Mm. The buyers are much more open and much nicer to you uh, when your product isn't selling very well. I, like I said, I've been on both sides, and and I think that's really really helped to to actually have a product that failed. Um, mm. As long as you don't too much money but as a product that failed to learn the mistakes and and i think that's what, what makes us 
more successful today as 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 entrepreneurs is the fact that that we failed and we had to come back and pivot and change and and create a, a product that that was um better priced in the market for its size and everything like that and 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 we learned a lot in that process so but i think as women i think um there's so many female entrepreneurs. Um, I've connected with a lot myself. I know a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's lots of huge companies that are started by women. So I think today, today, I don't want to say it's it's equal, but I would say that it's much easier today as a woman to start a business in the food industry for sure. Did you, when you and Tara started this business, did you read up on leadership? Did you? take any courses or coaching or do you have mentors on leadership or? Well, I mean, Tara was a CEO of small business BC and okay. I always, and I, I grew up with a very strong mother who um, ran her own. Um, she had her own successful real estate company. So mm -hmm. for me, um, I grew up thinking women were as equally as successful and strong as men. So I had such a strong female role model that I, I don't, I didn't really know. Uh, that that men dominate the world in the way they do sometimes, or they were the strong. I never knew that. So I always, um, I always really, and I always ran my own businesses. So I always had, I was, I was always one to step into more of a leadership role. I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not as much of a follower as I'm more of a leader. And I would say Tara is exactly the same. Mm. She's always ran organizations from a very young age, and and so she, we've both been kind of leaders in our own way. So. Maybe that's just made it easier for us. And how, so then, how do you guys work? How do you guys work together? Is that that must is a good relationship? Like, it, I would think you know if you're both sort of strong women, both have really strong sort of leadership foundations, not sort of afraid of anything. Like, there must be times you go through conflict, but how do you guys navigate those situations? Well, I think you know. I think if any relationship therapist would say to you, um, fighting isn't a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people who people fight in relationship is does not reflect what their relationship sure. is like, right? So, um, Tara and I do disagree on some things, but I would say our core, we've always, I would say I agree with Tara, like we have never disagreed on packaging, direction of the company on most, I mean, I definitely want to spend more. Tara is a little bit more conservative when it comes to spending. So that's probably a good balance, right? Because I mm -hmm. want to spend more wants to spend less so we kind of try to we meet in the middle mm. um we both agree the direction of the company um we both uh have the same core values when it comes to the company um so we actually really balance each other out i'm more um i'm more of an operations um very timely mm -hmm. tara can't, tara is terrible with time um so t so uh I do all the things that require like operations and I make sure all the products are here. So I'm always the one. So I use my skill set to enhance the company and, and her skill sets are more like she does business development things and um, she deals with all the sort of fair trade audits. She's very passionate about the fair trade part. So she has an interest in sell in, 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 in a different way that I do. So we kind of really balance each other out in a lot of really good ways. Mm. And I, and I, success of Zazubin is not just from me or from her alone, but it's our partnership that has created, um, this, this business yeah. and, and, and the success of this business is because we work so well together. Mm -hmm. We fight. <laughs> <laughs> how could we you fight. not? Yeah. How could you not? I mean, it sounds like the, the why behind you, what you, the why behind your company is sort of what keeps you guys really connected. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting. What do you say to sort of young female entrepreneurs? Like what's the sort of advice that you give them when they're starting out? I, I mean, I've had people come to me and, and, and they come with a product or something, um, <clears throat> in the food industry, or I just always say like, really, really know your competitors mm. see what's out there, really do the research, do the homework first and, and, and see what are you going up? What are you going up against? Like, mm -hmm. um, always know, yeah, know who you're competing against. Um, does, is your, is your product or, or whatever you're creating, is it unique? Is it something that's going to help some, somebody? Is it, is it ethical? Is it something, you know? So I, I think I, 
I encourage people to be entrepreneurs. I think it's, it's, it's great. I mean, um, not everybody is unfortunately an entrepreneur though, right? I mean, some people just are naturally entrepreneurs and others are not. Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who you're passionate about a product, um, you have to know, you have to know when to pivot if, if the product isn't selling or if the product isn't doing well, you have to, you have to really be able to read the market and be able to not get stuck with the idea that your thing is going to work, but yeah. you have to kind of be able to read it, read the market and know that you have to change something. And and I, I, I can say for myself, um, three years into the, you know, I call it Zazibean, you know, 101 or, you know, the beginning of Zazibean, um, I was very stubborn because I was convinced I knew, I knew that I knew that I, I knew this was going to be a successful product project for me. I knew that Zazibine was going to be successful, mm. but it wasn't with that product that I had started, but I was, I, this is where Tara was, was trying to, to, to stop it and, and to, to move it and change it directions. And I was very stubborn and I just wanted to continue to put, put pour more money into it, pour more energy into right. it market was was giving us um you know it was it was telling us clearly that that it was too expensive for the size of the market for the size of the bar i mean so so i think it's really important to recognize when you need to to, to pivot and mm -hmm. to change something mm -hmm. and to really so do your homework um look at your competitors really really closely and and have something that's that's innovative and and, and different yeah have fun it has to be fun. It has to be something you love doing. You have to be passionate about it. And you can't be afraid. You have to be able to take risks. To be an entrepreneur, you cannot, you cannot take, you have to take risks. So it's really important to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, I think this is a great way to sort of transition to sort of my final two questions. They're more about you. I, Tiz, I apologize. I should have given you these questions ahead of time. So uh, don't be bad at me for these. Um, one of them is uh, if you had five people that you could have a meal with, dead or alive, who would these five people be? Now you can think about it from the context of having them together or individually, but who would come to mind for you? Um. Oh boy. I think Obama. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you should have given me this ahead of time. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I always thought Obama was really interesting. I would love, love to meet him. Um, I love. Um, did you value Ch his? Did you value his politics, or what? What was it about him that you appreciated? I just. I think I love how he carries himself. I think he mm -hmm. genu genuinely wanted to bring the country together, and I think he was. He was just a charismatic leader right mm -hmm. there was just something about him um i like chelsea handler mm -hmm. yeah chelsea handler it's i think funny. she's hilarious yep. i would i would love to have uh have her at dinner um uh who else would i like um there's probably many people i can think i just kiss can't think of them all now i'm there's there's lots of people that i would i like bill maher i think he would be really yeah. interesting woody harrelson would be fun to hang out with yeah um one more. Uh, I have to come up with one more. One more, uh, if you can. <clears throat> See, it's as always. I always draw a blank when I think of. Uh, I think Madonna would be kind of cool to hang out with too. <laughs> I've always really admired Madonna as a, as a, as a, she was to me more of an entrepreneur uh, than she was a businesswoman, more than a, a. I think of a singer. I think she was just an incredible mm. marketer. She's just a, a, a great marketer. I'm sure those are not my top five, just because you put me on the spot. I'm sure there's many more people that I would love to. to if really if it makes you happy, what I can do is you can come back to me with a list and I'll put it in the show notes and say, correct it. If that would make you feel better. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, lots of people. I love Chelsea Handler a lot. I think she's hilarious. Um, we, yeah. our, our team at work had a debate, a fun debate about who is, uh, I think it was who is more 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 famous or well known, Madonna or Beyonce? I guess for you, you're in the Madonna camp. I'm not really a Beyonce fan. No? I, okay. I I think she, I can appreciate her, but I would say Madonna just to me was just like I said, just an amazing marketer of her time. Mm. The woman just recreated herself in every year or two, and she just she was just great at marketing. I thought she was brilliant. You know, I mean, we don't see her today. She's from yesterday, but she's not, you know, she's not famous anymore, really. But um, 
there's there's probably a couple of other people, some actors that have done just extremely well are really interesting actors. Um, yeah, that I'd have to, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and give you my, okay. my real. But, okay. Yeah. Last yeah. question. Last question is, uh, what do you know for sure in life? So besides the circle of life, what's something that sort of you, maybe you carry with that you just was like, it's so true to you. It's so true to me. I, th I think, I think, generally whatever you give out in life you get it back you know i i think i just yeah and i mean i don't know what what's yours let me ask you what yours is that's a good question um i actually oh, yeah you on this now. that's awesome i always ask the questions yeah i um you know i think i think one thing for sure is that everyone wants to be heard i think everyone in in their own way and for some people it's it's louder than others but i think everyone wants to feel validated i think i feel like that's a true that's something that i know for sure everybody wants to be loved everybody wants to be for sure wants to be heard yeah. um i mean yeah i mean we all i think through through this pandemic i would say um we need a community. We need people around us. Um, it's not good for, it's not good for us. Even if you're somebody who's, you know, likes to be alone, I think it's important to really, really connect. We're humans. We need to connect with people. Right. So Absolutely. I think it's, important. um, and we're seeing that now. In the now pandemic, right? Yeah. Right. Like with, yeah. with, with, being told you can't have anyone in your home and all that stuff. So you're, you're in Calgary. No, in Edmonton. Edmonton. Yeah. So uh, my, my family's in Ontario, so they've been in a complete lockdown for a really, really yeah. long time. So I, I feel super grateful to, um, to, to, to be able to live in BC, to live in BC and mm. to have a much easier time with this whole pandemic. I, yeah. I, and to be able to, to, to have great weather and, and I've hiked all year round kind of thing and, and snowshoed and stuff. And they're stuck, you know, in, I hate to say it in Toronto and it's like, <laughs> no stores are open. I think what's Costco's open. What's open. Very few stores are open. Yeah. Walmart. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, yeah, that must be tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Tiz, this has been an awesome conversation. I've always wanted to understand um, you know, when I started, it was when I was introduced as Azubine by, by the person that we commonly know and just always wanted to understand chocolate a lot better. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably learned uh, many things from this. So I really appreciate your time. I know it's a Sunday and you probably have better things to do than, than talk to me, but I really appreciate it and, and, uh, look forward to, you know, meeting you in person. Actually, I don't think that's actually happened. Um, but no. hopefully that'll happen no. one day soon. Um, I'm going to put yes. all of, uh, all of Tiz's information, um, around Zazubin in the show notes so people can access that, buy that new zero sugar free chocolate. What is this? What's it called? Slinky. Slinky. Called slinky. slinky. Yeah. Yes. Buy that slinky. Um, and, uh, Hopefully you guys love it. It's fantastic. So thank you again, Tiz, and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Okay. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay.